Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast. Uh, this will be our last one for the month of May 2021. My name is Chris Bowne. I'm the editor of Hotel Analyst and I'm joined by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, to run through three topics uh, that we think will be of interest to you, the listener, this week. And we're starting by taking a look at the news that the uh, French hotel group Accor is possibly considering sponsoring a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company. Uh, SPACs have been much in the news and I think we've probably spoken on our podcast recently about them, uh, particularly in America where they're very much being used to launch onto the market without the normal troublesome chicanery of all the regulation that goes with a, a normal IPO. Here we're talking about Accor, they were kind of, looks like they were slightly forced into revealing their hand uh, following a media report about this, but they are thinking of doing a SPAC in Europe. Uh, and the idea is they will sponsor a vehicle uh, that will help them bring together and invest in all their kind of non-direct hotel activities. All those bits to do with uh, food and beverage, flexible working, wellness, entertainments, events and tech. The kind of stuff that uh, the CEO Sebastian Bazan has been uh, excitedly buying slices of for the last few years um, and investing in. Now the idea is the SPAC would raise about 300 million euros. Uh, that would not, not come from Accor, it would come from other people. Uh, Accor will supply the management, uh, for the senior management for the company. Um, and they say obviously it's going to depend upon them finding those investors who are happy to do this. Oh, you know, we've taken, we've taken some soundings on this. Some people are, are keen on the idea, some not so keen. I can see kind of the logic um, in terms of putting these sort of slightly left field businesses uh, off the main balance sheet because uh, Accor has had to do some write downs uh, to do with some of the previous acquisitions it made. Um, and Andrew, Accor's always been doing some interesting left field things to try and find the, the next edge, haven't they? Yes, and views are split down the middle between those who think they should focus on hotel keeping um, <laughs> and those who think, oh, this is something which hotel companies need to be doing more of because it's the, the most exciting and um, area um, of real innovation in our sector. Morgan Stanley analysts looked at this and they said, well, actually, in a slightly more nuanced take on it, um, this is good news because it means Accor can hive off this and then focus on the core business. Um, <laughs> so uh, um, so from, from that perspective, um, it, it, it does look to be a sensible move because it's sort of ring fencing these more exotic exciting um which you can read as risky from mm. an investor perspective um businesses you can separate them out and they need a different approach a different take in terms of management mm. um I would contrast this with their approach to uh, lifestyle hotels, which again has been hived off into a London-based business. Uh, but they're keeping a hold of that completely, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Well, you, well, they've got a majority of it, yes. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So they've, they've got a majority holding it in it, um, uh, the, the JV with Ennismore. But again, they've separated it out um, from the main business in Paris um, because they don't see it as being part of the what they describe as their classic hotel. So that's stuff like Novotel and Ibis and all that kind of thing. Um, so clearly they wanted to grow a distinct and differentiated identity 
with the lifestyle stuff whereas this stuff um in terms of what we talk about with this spac is things that accord doesn't really need to have a direct involvement with it needs to have a direct involvement with the lifestyle hotels because although they're only five percent of its current portfolio they're 25 percent of the pipeline so clearly accord moving more and more into lifestyle stuff whereas this stuff is not something that's core to what accord is doing but it's a huge um, enhancement to to what they're doing so they, they they kind of want a finger in the pie without mm. having direct ownership of the pie and having too much exposure to the pie so um, again Morgan Stanley they reckon that it's something like 25% that Accor will be left holding I mean they were critics of Accor um, they said the company spent over 600 million euros buying 13 companies in tech and all these other bits and bobs um, and as a group that 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 collection of companies lost money in 2019 um, Accor hasn't made a very good fist of its entry into these areas um, and I would contrast for example what Accor did with One Fine Stay which in many ways for me was the most promising of those sort of private rental upscale businesses um, once it got absorbed into mothership Accor it seemed to sort of go disastrously <laughs> wrong right. and they as you've already referenced they had they've written it down completely um, contrast that with Marriott and its homes and villas and Marriott by organically growing it in a more a gentle slower way has actually made a much better job of that and seem to be in actually in a better place than Accor has despite its big splash in there and the big noise it's made Accor has sort of more quietly got uh, Marriott rather has more quietly got on and, and done the business with it so um, I think there seems to have been a learning about this in Paris and say look this in, in enough of this stuff um, we need to just focus on the on the main bit of the business and they're doing that now hiving this other stuff off which is good news and who knows you know it, it could be the case that this SPAC will turn into the next Airbnb or something mm. um, and be worth a hundred billion um, <laughs> euros us or whatever um we don't know equally it could carry on losing money um mm. although you know i think most of the tech companies seem to be able to carry on losing money and still be valued <laughs> to 100 billion but anyway you're getting ahead of yourself <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. indeed um but uh yeah so R rent alert. What, yeah <laughs> but i mean you know what every, but basically everything's going so um the question i have i guess for this is you know they've um, in a very sort of French philosophical way and uh, I always like an Accor press conference it's quite different to the American <laughs> ones which are all grown with the numbers da, 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 da. whereas the French you know you just feel like you want to put your beret on and sm start smoking a gulwar because they go into these deep sort of existential um, <laughs> philosophical you know, pathways um, yeah exactly and and it's you know oh gosh where are they going so of course everything they announced so they had this augmented hospitality to live work and play this was their thing um they've worked out actually they can augment their hospitality by just having a minority holding and you know this stuff like you've got the concierge thing john paul you've got the co-working a 50 percent stake in wojo you've got play which is in in upscale caterers patel and chabot um, and the event organizer paris society and in addition to all of that stuff you've got the what they call the business accelerators and that's all the techie stuff that d-edge gecko res diary which is the uh restaurant reservation thing and very chic um so you've got all of this stuff um now which is just being 
neatly put out into a separate now I, i'm not convinced that having you know a whole bunch of this stuff in a conglomerate form is the proper way forward i mean for me most of these businesses need to just to be standalone and 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 go their own way as necessary i, I but you know we'll see i mean maybe in a sort of incubator style this is what this is what, what they require but uh it's certainly an exciting area of startups and one to watch but um i think Accor is right that it's not a core part of its business um, and, and Accor shareholders are going to be relieved that they're you know they're getting they're, you know getting down to focusing on what matters and you know getting closer and closer to that goal of becoming a true asset light play um, alongside those Anglo-Saxon giants um, you know Marriott Hilton um, IHG and now talking of loss making multi-billion pound tech companies we move on to airbnb who've had their first quarter results out for uh, for 2021 uh we've heard a bit about how uh, they're still losing money funny enough uh, and they they managed to put a lot of bad financial news into this quarter to make that loss uh, look a lot bigger because they got rid of some exceptional items off the balance sheet um the CEO Brian Chesky is saying that things have rebounded a lot, lot faster than he thought. He's also repeated his kind of views that uh, business travel is never going to be the same again. All this sort of thing we've heard this before. Um, they gave us some some details on the fact that people are staying longer in Airbnbs, um, and they gave us some some hints about what they're trying to do to uh, improve. Airbnb's offering one of the big things they're really after is getting more hosts because they see travel rebounding and they're concerned about basically not having places for people to stay during peak times in certain locations um, and we've also been having a little bit of a dig around and have discovered some some bit more detail on some of the work that Airbnb is planning to do this year to expand subsidiaries including Hotel Tonight uh, and Lucky L-U-K-C-K-E-Y uh, which uh, is a kind of total accommodation services management business that uh, that Airbnb acquired back in 2018, and they are looking to grow that in uh, across several European countries this year. Um, sat down to write about the Q1 results before uh, a, a long promised sort of uh, reveal day, which has just come up, and um, uh, Airbnb's uh, described what they say is over 100 improvements to their platform. Uh, the main to be that for guests they are offering more flexibility in the in terms of the way you you search and book for accommodation uh, they also insist they've made it a hell of a lot easier for hosts to, to onboard and get involved um, to get those uh, additional uh, listings on the, onto their system uh, but still no word uh, they were given a very easy ride by the analysts no word on when they might actually start turning a profit no indeed um and they're going full tech i think in terms of their approach um it, it was very silicon valley um and chesky seems brian chesky the ceo seems to be getting you know very into that that mode what well, um, the, the steve jobs uh, elon musk brand reveal day yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 so this was called the airbnb 2021 release um and you know the, uh, the, the critics within the hotel business say look it's nothing more than a website and <laughs> yes it is probably but it's also a very good website and you know the learning that needs to be made is that um, you know the same thing was said about booking and expedia and they've 
gone out to become the biggest players in our sector well certainly booking has you know twice the size of marriott's now i think there are a few issues with airbnb uh coming um and it, it has be you know maybe it has already you know come hit its peak and is now coming off that peak quite significantly so if you look at the share price it's down 40 percent from mid-february so it's gone from 217 dollars to 137 dollars now this is still way ahead of its uh listing price which was at 68 dollars um but nonetheless it's lost that sort of number one in the industry slot booking now um has a market cap of 96 billion and airbnb's market cap is 85 billion so I think uh, there's a sort of symbolic um, shifting happening here. Um, and I think wider than that, there's a, a in, in my comment piece in perspective, uh, I talk about the differences between being a platform um, and being an aggregator. Now, uh, we don't have enough time to get into that <laughs> on this podcast. Um, but there, there is, you know, I, I, I think. Uh, the, the essential problem is that uh, Airbnb thinks it's a platform, but um, in reality, it's an aggregator, and it's really just going to go head to head with Booking, with Expedia, um, and we've uh, we've seen you know Expedia in particular with its dreadfully named Verbo um, is is really taking on Airbnb and 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 pitching directly at it, and I think that's going to get tougher and tougher. Plus, as we've also said. Um, the uh to, to to get any to, to justify it's it's still magnificent valuation airbnb has to get into the hotel space it really can't rely on just doing the the private rental piece because it's too small a market mm -hmm. now it may ramp up on the experience side but i think that's still a nascent business and there's no real indication yet of just we know how much legs that bit of the business has so I, th I think airbnb's got a lot of challenges ahead of it and i don't think it you know there's a lot of hype around its listing saying this is the future of the hotel business uh no it's not uh um, and the reality we've seen despite all of the the stuff you know you mentioned that report which came out on the 24th of may chris uh, the airbnb report on travel and living and about how we're all going to be um traveling to far-fung paces and working remotely etc etc um well you know regular listeners to this podcast will know uh, we are skeptics about this everything has changed and business travel is doomed view and we believe that business travel is going to um, snap back a lot quicker than consensus estimates so people are talking 2025 for business travel we think it's going to come back um, pretty strongly next year and be back where we we should be sort of certainly by 2023 we'll see um but I certainly don't think we're changed forever, and business travel is 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 you know um, we're all going to be wanting an Airbnb rental instead of our uh, corporate-like hotel. I don't think that's the case, and I don't think you know even pre-pandemic there was no evidence that there was massive substitution in there. Only it only happened there was you know there was the, where Airbnb created pain was because. Um, if you had a compression night where particularly if you look in some of the say the german cities um where there's a big fair uh, convention what have you um the, the room rates just go balloon enormously so you know many listeners to this podcast will have been 
to ITB, um, the busiest time for Berlin, the, the room rates triple, if not quadruple, during that period. Uh, Berlin is normally a very, you know, it's, it's one of the, the best value capital cities in Europe. Um, you can get five star hotels for, you know, 100, 150 euros for weekends to do deals normally, but during during ITB, it just shoots through the roof. Um, and, and you know you're paying a thousand euros for those same five-star properties um so i i think that um on those nights uh airbnb has an impact because it, it, people are saying look i don't fancy paying that either you can't get a room or you simply don't fancy paying a thousand euros so you'll you're 500 euros whatever it is um whatever your budget uh, might be so you'll say I'll, I'll i'll head towards an airbnb and that does impact the profitability because if you're a berlin hotelier you make your real money in 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 that those peak periods such as um, itb so i think there has been an impact there on that, that with airbnb and it has been a challenge to the sector because of that but in terms of being a direct substitution no and there's no evidence that people are actually preferring to stay um, on the whole with an airbnb rather than a hotel i think generally speaking apart from those sort of distressed times people um uh it's been an incremental sell rather than a substitutional sell so i i'm a um, I think it's an interesting business, um, but I mean, people have talked about Airbnb as being, you know, the next Apple or Microsoft or something like that. I just think that's ludicrous. It's not going to get like that. Um, I think we need to start thinking of it more like an eBay. I mean, eBay's got a market cap of 42 billion US. It's still a sizable, it's a useful and, and profitable business, um, but it's not one that's going to take over the world. And I think this is the case for Airbnb. Now I'm going to take a look at the business of fitness. Um, it's, it's an interesting area, not least because it's potentially another area for hotels to s sweat another ancillary asset, just as uh, some hotels have been making good money using their kitchen facilities as a dark kitchen for takeaways during uh, lockdown. So uh, there may be an opportunity uh, with that uh, underused gym in the, in the property. Um, Fitness is, is front of mind, not least because in uh, the UK, in the Queen's speech, the government has promised to uh, put uh, the, the country's health uh, more further forward in its thinking, um, not least because, of course, our own Premier, uh, who suffered from uh, COVID-19, uh, came out of hospital um, slimming down because he acknowledged that it, his his being overweight had, uh, had probably not helped his recovery. Um, the question is really uh, all this goodwill, all this excitement around uh, building back healthier. Um, will this ha have an impact? What is the opportunity for hotels uh, to get into this space? Of course, we've all been, uh, well, many of us have been uh, uh, getting fit, watching uh, YouTube videos with Joe Wicks and various other trainers and doing things at home. Uh, but all the big uh, gym chains in the, in the UK certainly are making a big bet on people wanting to get back to in-person fitness training and classes and so on. They're all looking for, to expand um, and hopefully pick up additional spaces through picking up retail empty retail units to expand their chains. Um, so the question is, how can you get into this space if you're a hotel? Uh, do you need to go the kind of wholesale big investment route of someone like village hotels who has a decent fitness club with thousands of subscriptions at every one of their hotels or should you go a kind of more nuanced route and perhaps team up with one of the uh, other 
fitness brands. Let's just touch on that first point you raised in terms of virtual classes not being a good substitute mm -hmm. for the real thing. Um, I think it's absolutely the case um, because going to the gym is not just about the transactional thing of getting up a sweat <laughs> right I can do that running around the park you go to a gym for that full immersive experience you know the shared I was to say joy <laughs> gym's very joyful but 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 that buzz, that, that, that buzz. um yeah, the yeah, buzz yeah. that's the that's the word yes the buzz um of of you know doing getting a buzz with other people and having that sort of immersive experience that shared you know shared <laughs> pain um <laughs> during during the workout um so it's just not the same doing it online at all so and and i think that that's something which uh you know uh, we've we've touched on many many times is is about the experiential about the need to deliver that gyms are about um this experience they're not about uh just getting fit um and and, and just as for gyms hotels need to think it's not just about staying you've got to deliver an experience so i think that's one big lesson i think that can come out of the gym market the other thing that struck me looking at the gym market it's just how similar it seems to what happened in the hotel market with regard to budget hotels so there's been a split within within gyms um between the sort of mass market entry level ones and the upscale ones so the mass market would be the the or the biggest gym brands pure gym i think mm -hmm. you you mentioned yeah. them in your piece chris i mean they got through the one million member mark in 2017 um you know that they they've come through by offering rather like the branded budget hotels like the premier inns and the travel lodges you know you it, it's perceived as being value for money and being a transparent and fair offer um and then you've got the upscale stuff which is your david lloyd's um which um you have within within the hotel market and that's much more of a luxury play um and for us you know a different sort of cohort um and it's the mid-market which has been squeezed particularly by the this new breed of budget gym operator so again there was a little parallel there but i think to the point of are we gonna see more from the gym market i think without a doubt i mean can you think of anything else as you mentioned in terms of um covid uh, as a sort of huge uh uh catalyst for development i mean you know obesity second only to age as a factor you know uh, raising the probability of ending up in hospital if you get infected with covid people know that they need to get fit and you mentioned boris johnson um and his fitness drive and we've seen that uh, um throughout the this this pandemic about people talking about the need now to to get a little bit fitter so i think there's this you've got this big sort of demand booster there as we come out of the pandemic but also we've got a potential in terms of supply opportunity because we've got this particularly retail where there's this problem in retail and and gyms particularly studio gyms you're not going to stick pools in an old <laughs> shop um department store what have you but you can stick studio gyms and there are a good solution for that um you know about a 
about one in ten gyms are already in shopping centres. I think we're going to see much more of that as shopping centre owners realise actually we need to get football, footfall, and certainly gyms are one of the ways of of, of delivering that and doing that. So I, th- I think we've got this almost perfect storm for for the sector in terms of you've got uh, you know a demand boost and you've got. Um, supply opportunity so I think that's 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 good from a hotel perspective I think you know you're either going to do it properly and you you talk to village leisure I think Chris in your piece I think I know you talk to village leisure Um, um, and you either do it as they have done and make it an integral part of their offer um, they're quite unique in that I think or you take the route of well it's it's an ancillary service and is often best going to be delivered by an external provider and I think and you also touched on if a the, the sort of I don't know whether you'd call Citizen M a budget brand, but certainly a, 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 a small room brand with more limited service, a limited service brand. Certainly, we could describe it as that, um, or select service brand perhaps, and they probably prefer um, what what they have um, done in terms of the virtual thing is is you know is probably a mm. good enough solution rather than dedicating a room for it. Um, so it's quite interesting. I think you touched on the um, notion of turning meeting rooms into into gyms, which is possible. But I, I think the problem with that is, you know, the gym has to t- the, the gym class has to take place at the same time each week, which kind of means that that meeting room is offline. So unless you know that meeting room is going to be offline all the time mm-hmm. at that point, it, it's very hard to sort of turn it into into a gym. Either it's going to be a gym or it's going to be a meeting room um so i'm you know i I was less convinced of that but i do think we're going to see a uh, a uh, uh, a big push on that on in terms of the the number of gyms out there as we emerge from this pandemic now let's look at this week's uh, choice of our five star and no star awards um for our five star we've seen lots of real creativity from across the uh, the travel sector as uh, organizations uh, regions get, get down to the business of encouraging people to travel once more and I think Andrew you re- rather liked Accor's unveil the world campaign I did I mean I think it's hotel brands don't do enough in terms of that what marketeers would describe further up the funnel to the wider part of the funnel to sort of create demand by saying look this is a fantastic um um thing travel it's it's enriching and it's gonna um give you so much satisfaction i don't think um, hotel brands do enough to celebrate that piece um, often they're too focused on the sort of performance marketing of getting people directly to book with them rather than this wider piece and I like this wider piece and I think what Accor has done with this is great and I think we need you know we need more of that and you know frankly the, sh- the shame of it I think it's well executed it just needs much much more budget in terms of the w- where it can be shown because I don't think enough people are going to see it um, um, and I think this is where I, I think there needs to be more money spent in that demand generation at this point. Uh, further and uh, no stars this week go to Hilton, who are downgrading some of their lower tier honours loyalty scheme members uh, by removing complimentary continental breakfast uh, when they visit certain US Hilton hotels. Yeah, I mean, you could almost give it a five star as well, though, if you're a known. <laughs> yeah, more profits, so. great. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I think there's a chance for a reset here um, for a lot of these these uh, loyalty schemes and sort of you know some of the giveaway stuff. Um, maybe you don't need to give away so much anymore. So and I, th- I think Hilton are smart for thinking about this and taking away the breakfast. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm mixed on that. Certainly, it's no star if you're a if you're a loyalty scheme member who mm. was enjoying that uh, freebie. If you're Boris Johnson, a, if you're Boris Johnson, from an owner fits with your fitness agenda. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. What skipping breakfast? Hey, oh, sorry. Supposed, okay. You're always right, supposed right, to right, have right, breakfast, right. Chris. Right. I thought that was, I was, right, okay. I was one of the rules. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm good at never missing breakfast. It's all the other meals I'm <laughs> also too good at <laughs> never missing as well. Um, but uh yeah uh so i i yeah i i think this is mixed but i i, I think overall uh, there's a reset the point here is that this is a chance to have a rethink and a reset of what's going on um with the loyalty schemes and i think owners overall are going to welcome that even if it means that uh, there will be some people who are a little bit and on that off. note i'm going to nip off for a snack uh, we'll say bye for now <laughs>